0: Hello, hello. This is a uh, sick transit, Gloria. I'm Sabina, and I'm Anna. Welcome back. And this week, what are we talking about? We are talking about opera.
1: metropolitan opera yeah
0: it was really really neat we took the train up and uh found our way to this like back basementy entrance and uh we were going to meet up with
1: this guy
2: i'm peter clark i'm the director of archives at the metropolitan opera
1: i think a theme that we've been playing with a lot recently are archives I just wrote a paper on archives. I I
0: wrote a paper on archives. What was your paper about, Anna? It was about uh, personal archives and how we can practice a sort of, like, archaeology of the self. I'm in Gallatin. (laughs) Um, I wrote a paper about uh, ACT UP's archives. Uh, And a third archive is this archive at the Met Opera that Peter so graciously told us about. Yeah, he told us the whole history of um, the Met Opera, in fact.
2: Okay, the very basics are this the ha- opera house we're in right now is at Lincoln Center. It opened in 1966. It is called, in our terms, the New Met, even though it's 50 years old. Um, the Old Met uh, opened in 1883. It was on Broadway at 39th Street. Uh, it was founded by a group of uh, wealthy industrialists, this, pretty much the same gentlemen who founded all of the big cultural institutions in New York, people like the Vanderbilts, uh, J.P. Morgan, um, the Roosevelts, all those people. They, uh, They built the Metropolitan Opera because the previous opera house in New York was the Academy of Music on 14th Street at Irving Place. It's no longer there. It's where the Con Ed building was. And that opera house... Uh, was a large opera house, but it didn't have very many boxes. And the wealthy um, industrialist-type people wanted to sit in their own boxes. Um, and so th- th- when they came along, the boxes were all taken at, uh, at the Academy of Music by the even older families, what they called the Knickerbocker Society in New York. And uh, so there were not enough boxes for the new rich. So they decided to just build their own opera house. So they built the opera house at uh, 39th Street and Broadway, what we call the Old Met, which is no longer there. That opera house lasted until the last season there was 1965-66. And um, it was torn down after that. The long and short of it is that as time went on, the company got to be more and more desperate for a, a, a theater with modern sta- backstage area and more machinery and more space more than anything.
1: So for the, the Met that we know today to happen, it took a long time. A lot of trials, a lot of tribulations. And at one point, the new Met was going to be at Rockefeller Center, but that fell
0: through. Then they were going to put it at Columbus Circle, and that didn't work out either. So it ended up at what is now Lincoln Center, where it is today.
2: When the federal government passed an Urban Redevelopment Act in the late 40s, the city of New York had funds available through the federal government to do a lot of uh, um, redevelopment. And at the same time, the Philharmonic was looking for a new home. So the, the original partners, if you will, at Lincoln Center were the Metropolitan Opera and the New York Philharmonic. And from that then they decided to, you know, add other things, add a library, add Juilliard, add a theater, add the New York State theater. So that's how all that came about.
1: When I think of opera I don't think
0: of New York. No, I think of like Europe. Just in general Europe and like just the entire (laughs) continent. The whole continent. (laughs) Yeah, but it does exist in America.
2: The Metropolitan Opera is the major opera company in North America. There are some other opera companies in North America and some other important ones, particularly San Francisco, Chicago, Houston. But uh, none of them are even anywhere close to the size of the Met in terms of number of performances um, or the length of the season. Um, and Or none of them have quite the history of the Met either. Um, uh, So... The Met is what is called the flagship of opera companies in North America, um, and so we have a lot of outreach programs like like the high definition uh, retransmissions in theaters and radio broadcasts. The radio broadcasts have been going there about twenty every season since 1931. So there's many, many, many millions of people have been, have been introduced to opera through the Metropolitan Opera, whether it's live or on the radio or on television. So it's importance in, I wouldn't say just in the city, but really in the country and the hemisphere really, uh, is it's a primary importance in uh, making this art form available to people.
0: The Met Opera is totally an institution here um, which means that a lot of famous people have been part of it over the years.
2: A lot of people made their career here. Um, uh, one th- that, that strikes me right away is there is um, one of the most f- famous sopranos of the 20th century was a woman named Rosa Ponselle. She was an, an Italian-American girl from Connecticut. She grew up speaking Italian. Her family was in, she was second generation. First, what do you say that? First, her, her parents came from Italy. And um, she and her sister, this was back in the teens, 19-teens. She and her sister had a vaudeville act. And uh, they sang, you know, sort of popular songs uh, on, on the vaudeville circuit. But she had a really extraordinary voice. So she started taking voice lessons, and about a year after she took voice lessons, her teacher realized she was really a fabulous singer. It was an amazing voice. And he introduced her to Enrico Caruso, the most famous tenor of the time, who thought she was wonderful and who wanted her to sing opposite him in a a new production of La Forza del Destino, the same opera that I just mentioned a minute ago, and the first time the Met had ever done it. So this 22-year-old American girl made her Met debut, never having been on the Met stage, on any opera stage at all, um, and uh, opposite Enrico Caruso, and had a huge triumph. And there are recordings from time because they had just started the recording industry, and you can hear what her voice sounded like, and it was one of the most ava- amazing voices of all time, and. Actually, I mentioned that partly because she. This is the hundredth anniversary. This year is the hundredth anniversary of her of her Met debut, and I think that's a. It's a. I don't know. It's an American story, but it's one of those stars born stories, and it's probably the most exciting one that happened in in Met history because there was this, like basically kid. She was twenty two years old. And nobody knew her except people who had heard her in vaudeville, but nobody saw her as an opera diva and suddenly she walked out there and had this magnificent voice that nobody was ready for and she could she i mean opera singing is generally uh an art and a craft that is developed over years and years and much hard study but some people like Rosa Ponselle just have it it the voice is just there in their throats and um So miracles do occur on the opera stage.
0: What do you say to somebody, maybe somebody who's like my age, Mm -hmm. who says the opera is boring, the opera is for old people, the opera makes no sense, the opera is for rich people, all of those things. Mm -hmm. What do you say to What I was wondering, like, what do you say to a kid who thinks the opera is like for rich people, for white people, for
1: people in cities, for... Now... I think everyone can appreciate it and it's way more accessible than it's ever been.
2: Opera, like any art form, requires some input from your part. Um, It is not any more created for old people than it is created for young people. It is created as a way of communicating feelings, emotion, shared life experiences. Through music and through singing of a particular kind, which might be a kind of thing you 've never heard before, and you might have to acclimate yourself a little bit to what that is, but once you understand what that is and how it how communicative it can be through the music through the through the singing and through the performance in general, um, you might be surprised because never no matter what it is if it's an art form don't just go on what you've heard give it a try try and understand what is what people are talking about because it's true that opera kind of unfortunately has this overlay of being uh an art form for rich people or that it's pretentious or any of that it's true that rich people started the opera house because they wanted to have it here but they also started the museum because they wanted to have you know uh, Caravaggio's here. So that doesn't mean Caravaggio painted his pictures that only rich people would enjoy them. And it's the same with opera. There there's any kind of great art is great for some reason. And if you're uh curious human being <laughs> and you should be um you you should try and figure out what is this thing people are talking about don't worry about all of the overlay of it's supposed to be for rich people that it's supposed to be uh, for old people or any of that none of that's true it just isn't true you don't even have to be rich to come to the met we have all sorts of inexpensive tickets here and for students we have big discounts so um so not only the met but most of the opera houses in the world have good discounts for for young people and for students. Um so open up your your mind and your your heart. The other thing is I think especially with music well maybe not especially with me but with music I can talk about. I don't know that much about visual arts. But it's really about letting the composer and the musicians Speak to your heart directly from theirs, and if you if you can appreciate what they're doing, and if you can open yourself up to that, it's a it's a worthwhile experience. It's very moving, and um, it, it it's, it's exceptional, and, and it can mean something to you.
0: And then after we we finished our interview with peter um i kept the mic rolling when we were just kind of chatting and this sort of beautiful moment happened in our conversation um so we're just gonna gonna play that for you guys to close out this episode
2: you know it's there's a a light that comes on sometimes when you look at something or when you hear it it's like oh that's what that's what that's about. And I still have it sometimes when I'm listening to an opera that I've heard a lot and then suddenly I'll hear it and I think, oh, wait a minute, that's what that's about. And it's not even that definable, but there's a pleasure to it. There's a, you get some kind of gratification from your realization. Mm and uh you know and it's not trans uh, transmittable i mean i can't necessarily make you feel that if you don't feel it or um but the fact that the composer felt it or the artist felt it and that i felt it means that it is there is some common human, human element there mm-hmm. yeah. and it's that commonality maybe that you know is exciting to us that's like what that connection is yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: I think what's funny is that when she asked you about what would you say to that kid I was totally that kid I was like operas for rich people but I I was in Italy so I was like I might as well try this new thing first time I went I think I saw Madame Butterfly and I was like I'm not into it Mm -hmm. second time I went I saw Tosca Mm
2: -hmm.
1: cried Mm -hmm. I cried at the end Mm -hmm. and I was like this is I think it was the way the music was swelling and kind of Mm -hmm. the way that the theater was like coming in around Mm -hmm. me. And I was like, this is just an emotional overload. Mm -hmm. Um, And in that moment, I I had felt so connected to Mm -hmm. everyone around me. And then honestly, like Florence as a whole. Um, And I think that's something that I wish more people would be able to explore. This has been Sick Transit Gloria and WNYU 89.1 FM.
0: Friendly reminder that we have an Instagram now, which you can follow at Sick Transit Gloria Pod. Uh, big thanks to Megan Boyle and Peter Clark at the Met Opera. Our theme song is New York Minute Prayer by Shilpa Ray. And this episode was produced by me, Sabina. And me, Anna. Thanks for listening. Good night.